So I'm riding down the road one day, and my phone rings, and I look at it, and it's Darby Slayton. I'm like, hey, it's Darby. Cool. So I answer it, thinking I'm going to talk to Darby, and Darby's Darby. And uh, he's like, hey, Robert. He said, I got somebody I want you to meet. And all of a sudden, I hear this, hello, Robert. I'm like, hey, how you doing, whoever you are? Darby's like, this is, this is Brian. He starts telling me about Brian, and then we have this three-way conversation. I think I don't know if we were all three driving, what the deal was, but we had this three-way conversation. And then after that, Brian and I talked a couple times after, because Darby's thing was, you two need to know each other, because you two are supposed to be connected. There's something that's going to happen, and that's what, you know. So we did, and then back in March, I think it was, John Thompson and I went down and spent a couple days uh, with Brian and the whole clan, and Mandy, this is his administrator, that's, right, administrator, yep. And there's Hope over there, yeah, so got a a group, and this is Luke up here, it's Mandy's son, and... um, so we went down and hung out with them in Front Royal, had a great time. There's a, they're doing a great work down there. It's just neat watching how the kingdom is expanding in the Front Royal area and how strongholds of darkness are being broken off by what these guys are doing on a weekly basis. Sometimes like, man, you got to come to the house. you got to come to the house. So with that, let's give a house welcome Yay! to Brian. Thank you all so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Robert is the man, hallelujah. And uh, yeah, you already know. So, um, but for real, I'm just so excited. Darby says that you guys are like, I mean, I don't want to tell anybody else, but like his favorite place to go. He's been telling me this for years. Darby's one of my best friends. And he's been telling me for years that this place in Delaware called The House is like his favorite place. And this is what he says. And this speaks a lot to me. He always says, one of the main things he says is everybody from the newest top to bottom, everybody is on board, all in, they're all flowing in the Holy Spirit, they're doing the stuff. And I pastored for two years, now I'm doing something similar in Front Royal, we're kind of like a church, but kind of not, we're kind of a divine experiment, I like to call it. And uh, so that speaks a lot to me of what you guys are doing. So I just want to honor you and thank you for what you're doing and seeing the young and the old coming together. So excited. So this morning, I just want to share a little bit of my testimony. And uh, then I got a word that I want to share with you guys that I think the Lord gave for me. Is that okay? Well, I want to tell you this morning, I, uh, I grew up Baptist and then I went full swing Pentecostal. Hallelujah. So I welcome you to talk to me this morning. I welcome you to swing from the chandeliers if they'll hold it. Yes. Thank you. My, now my neck won't ache for three weeks. Thank you, Jesus. I'll go places and they'll have a podium for a midget. And uh, then my neck hurts for four weeks afterwards. So anyway, a little bit of my story. I grew up in Front Roll. Anybody ever been to Front Roll, Virginia? Really? The heck? When did y'all go to Front Royal? <laughs> canoeing. Did everybody go for canoeing, all of you together? Okay, work. Wow, I can't believe how many hands went up. That was really intimidating. That was crazy. Everywhere I go, it's like one person in the back was like, I've been to Port Royal. No, Front Royal. Okay, never been there before. Um, but did anybody go to Fishnet? Did anybody go to Fishnet? That's the real... Co- okay, yeah. I, I knew there were probably in this group. It might be a few. Uh, so Fishnet was a Jesus movement hub. 
and Lonnie Frisbee, uh, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Hagen, uh, Bob and Rose Weiner would come every year in Front Royal, which is like, if there is a capital of what Hick America means, you get it. All right. So anyway, I was born there and uh, I grew up in a Baptist home. We were, we thought Jerry Falwell was liberal. Okay. Is that, is that registered? Young, older folks in the room, you'll understand. Okay. And so we thought he was a little bit too liberal. He hung out with Presbyterians and Catholics and, you know, was all right with that kind of thing. And uh, so I grew up backwoods Baptist. I mean, women didn't shave their legs. They wore skirts down to their ankles. And KJV only, they would check your Bible. I kid you not, check your Bible at the door. If you walked in with the not-inspired uh, version, the NIV, uh, you would be asked to leave or the Bible gets left outside in your car. And so I had never heard of, we had the Trinity, it was Father, Son, Holy Bible, hallelujah, it was really great. And so I had a really profound thought, seriously, around the age of five years old, and this was my genuine thought, if God is real, he must still do miracles. If he's not real, he does not do miracles, duh, right? And so my church taught cessationism. We all know what that is, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit passed at the canon of Scripture, the death of the apostles. And so I had never heard of someone being healed. I'd never heard of a Pentecostal. I'd met a few Presbyterians. I knew, this is what I knew. The Methodists were liberal. The Catholics drank too much. The Presbyterians were uh, boring. And the Baptists were right. That's all I ever heard. <laughs> and so growing up, that's all I ever knew. You know, the, the Wiscopalians, we called them. And... Uh, and so, some of you will get it later. Um, so, we, uh, we didn't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so, I became an atheist at 15 years old. I quit believing in God. And I said, wow, how convenient it is that the Bible has a miracle on like every single page. But for the last 2,000 years, God's been taking a nap. And he rolled over and burped when uh, Martin Luther was around. That was a good time. And uh, that's it. And ever since then, he's been, you know, on vacation taking a nap. And so at 17 years old, two years into this, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to go off to JMU, play baseball, basketball. I was a, a Division I athlete on my way, and uh, I was going to go to school, and literally was thinking, I will never go to church again. My parents won't make me go anymore. And so at 17 years old, I'm in my room. It's a long story. I won't get into the whole thing, but I'm sitting on my floor, and I said, Jesus, if you're real, do something. Oops is right. <laughs> I stand here almost 10 years later. Oh, Lordy. <laughs> um, and so I started experiencing the presence of God. It was not an instant moment where Jesus just physically walked in my room. For me, growing up very cerebral, Baptist, got to understand everything, it was almost like I had a divine shift in my mind. It's the best way I can say it. That doesn't sound that profound. But in the moment for me, it was the craziest thing ever. And I started understanding, I started feeling in my heart this reality, heaven is forever. It's a really long time. And what I do for him right now, if he's real, I'm still thinking like, if he's real, means everything. And what I do, you know, the American dream, money, job, you know, whatever, means nothing in comparison to this eternal life that I get to live. And I started reading Bible verses that I didn't even know were in the Bible. 1 John 6, 17, my favorite verse in the Bible. Whoever joins himself to the Lord becomes one spirit with God. Everybody go, whoa. 
I read a verse like that, or that you're a, do you not know that you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, or that you can be face to face with God, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I started thinking to myself, this is the most amazing thing ever. I didn't know the Bible was so cool. I thought it was just do's and don'ts so you don't go to hell and get your passport stamped. Hallelujah. It's fire insurance, right? And so I just started experiencing God. I started having dreams and visions. I still, I'd never heard of an Assemblies of God even, right? And I started experiencing God in my room and started having dreams. I started feeling angels in my room. I told my Baptist dad one time, he looked at me and said, don't tell anybody that there, boy. <laughs> Enos, Mandy, and Hope. My parents, I don't have too much of a Southern accent. Y'all might think I do. I don't know, but... I don't think I have too much of one, but man, my parents, it's Paula Dean and Jed Clampett. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, my dad says, don't tell anybody that. And, it, and it, I saw an angel one day. I took a trip to heaven one time. I told my dad and he said, Brian done gotten himself into a cult. All right. <laughs> so anyway, I started experiencing God. I go through my senior year, just radically passionate for revival. There, there was an aspect to it that I'm sure was some legalism. But you know, let me be honest with you. I, I'd rather have some legalism with passion for Jesus than, than grace that's taught in such a way that we just want to sleep all the time and not do anything for the Lord, right? And so in my zeal, in this moment, anyway, there was some legalism, no doubt about it, but the Lord honored it. Hallelujah. It was just one of those things like, well, he's doing his best. I'll, I'll bless what he's doing, right? So I start fasting. I start praying. I start going after God. And I end up, my whole senior year, I was waking up four in the morning and, and going to school early. I would sit outside in my car, and I would listen to testimonies of Christians experiencing God. And then I came across a guy named Chris Vallotton. All right, I know everybody here has heard of Chris Vallotton. And I saw a book on the, the bookshelf one day. It said, How to Develop a Supernatural Lifestyle. Done. <laughs> I read the whole thing in one day, and I was like, this is what it's all about. For me, it was never about seeing angels or going to heaven or seeing healings. I like all of those things. For me, it was I want as much activity with Father God as I can possibly have. So if this girl's ankle gets healed, it's not, oh, look what I can do. It's look at what relationship with God brings about in our lives. Does that make sense? It was this paradigm, and I still have it. And so anyway, I go off to college, I go off to Liberty University, which is where Jerry Falwell started. And, uh, and so I go off to school. Liberty is Baptist, all right? So I um, applied for student leadership to be a leader on my hall. They made me promise I wouldn't speak in tongues in the dorm. And I was like, well, good, because I don't speak in tongues yet. But I was praying for people to get healed. So I knew, they knew I was one of those people, you know. And uh, so I start praying in my dorm. Again, so there's some legalism there. We, I, made, I made these awesome prayer lists because I didn't know how to pray for hours and hours and hours, you know, didn't have any music really. I was still listening to like Third Day and like Toby Mac. That's all I really knew. And so I would have these 12-hour prayer meetings in my dorm. And me and my friends, we would hold hands and we had a list. 12 to 12.15, pray for China. 12.15 to 12.30, pray for Iran. 12.30 to 12.45, pray for Israel, you know? And uh, we would just pray that way and just go in a circle. It was the most boring, <laughs> unanointed, my God. Awful. I don't think I would have walked, even now, I would have walked out if I would have walked into one of those meetings now. And, uh, but you know what? God honored it. Like Robert was saying, we get in these places in life where God's just like, yeah, you don't know what you're doing, and that's the goal, right? 
And uh, so, hallelujah. So we're sitting these, in my freshman year, and I'm sitting. This is what I really felt like I was supposed to share for some reason this morning. Maybe it's just for the youth. I just love you guys. I haven't met you yet. So uh, I'm sitting in the back of the prayer chapel, a Baptist school. And uh, there was this worship leader at Liberty. He was the first African-American worship leader. He was uh, at Liberty. And he uh, was about half blind. And uh, his name is Imari, a good friend of mine now. And um, I was sitting behind him, and no one else was in the prayer chapel. And he's just singing. And Imari could belt it. I mean, he would hurt your ears. He could belt so loud. He didn't need a microphone. And he is just singing in tongues and just going for it. And I'm like, what is this? I think I've seen that on that Bethel Live TV thing, you know. And I was watching IHOP and things like that. And all of a sudden, I start crying in tongues. And the Lord speaks to me and says, open up to Luke 15, which was a theme this morning, which I found interesting because I already felt this to really zone in on this testimony. And I'm sitting there and I start weeping uncontrolled. I call it the ugly baby cry. Anybody ever done that before? The, oh, right? And so I'm just weeping and crying in his joy. And it, it was like colors had a new dimension to them. I start feeling this heat in my throat. I'm like, Lord, is this the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I knew about it. I've been reading about it for a whole year. I've been reading Mike Bickle's old stuff and uh, Oral Roberts. I'm watching Catherine Coleman. And uh, I just started speaking in tongues. And for about three weeks straight, if you walked by me and said, Jesus, heck, you could have said it in a cuss word. I would have started crying <laughs> just hearing the name of the Lord. And so I started just experiencing the Lord in such a strong way. I come back in my sophomore year. And I started hearing about burns. Who knows what a burn is? 12 hours, 24 hours, nonstop prayer and worship. And so we started doing burns on my college campus. And we said, Lord, when you want us to go do evangelism on a Christian campus, hallelujah, uh, when you want us to go do evangelism, break a guitar string. So my friend Ben, we and him, and I can't sing worth the lick, we get Imari and Ben, they've never played together, and we go on the largest academic building in, at Liberty, it's one of the biggest on the East Coast I've heard, and we just start singing unto the Lord, three of us, this guy's playing the guitar, he wasn't that good, and Imari, who was awesome, and we said, Lord, when you want to do evangelism, break a guitar string. 45 minutes in, for weeks on end, a guitar string would break every time. And we're not having like jam band sessions. It's like, Jesus, we love you, right? It's not like real crazy stuff. And so I'd never seen a, a healing before other than on Bethel TV or watching, you know, Randy Clark or something like that. And so we said, Lord, teach us how to do miracles. Lord, teach us signs and wonders. Teach us how to do that. So we'd be praying. All of a sudden, gold dust would just cover our hands. And you're sitting there, and I'm 18 years old. And I'd say, Lord, show me somebody I'm supposed to pray for. This is fun, guys. Come on. Lord, show me who to pray for. And I'll never forget it. One time, one of my favorite ones, this kid, I, the Lord says, this guy's going to walk down the street five minutes, and he's a worship leader, and he needs uh, surgery in his throat. And I'm like, what? Oh, that's going to be really bad if I get that one wrong. And, uh, <laughs> and so this dude walks down the street, and I'm like, hey, man, what's your name? He says, Josh. And he says he's a worship leader at Liberty, and he has aspirations to be a, a worship leader in a mega church and all this stuff. And he says, I've got this, he had a, it, was a, it wasn't a tumor, it was like a cyst of some sort that was growing over his entire voice box. And they said that he would have to have a trachea, he would never be able to sing again. And they're thinking like, in the next month, this is all going to go down. 
And uh, I'm like, well, man, I just believe Jesus wants to heal you. And he's like, I don't really believe in that. I was like, that's okay. Can I pray for you? And I pray for him. The dude falls out on the ground outside at a Baptist college, hallelujah, and starts shaking and baking. Come on. I was like, I haven't even done that yet. I want to do that. I was still so Baptist, but yet I'm having gold dust on my hands. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. And so this dude falls out. He starts singing, and his voice gets completely restored right there on the spot. Awesome. So we're talking to him. It gets way better. So we're talking to him, and I hear the Lord say, ask about his sister. And I'm like, that's weird, Lord. Like, Because at Liberty, they have this joke, ring by spring or your money back, you know? And I'm like, he's going to think I'm like asking about his sister. You know what I mean? And uh, I was like, don't take this the wrong way. I said, but I just feel like I'm supposed to ask about your sister. And all of a sudden, you're, and he's like, it's my sister. I was like, yeah, take that devil. And so... He talks to his sister on the phone, and she's like, I want to return to Jesus today. I want to give my heart back to the Lord. She gets saved right there on the spot, gets born again, gets restored, and she's a worship leader at a church to this day. Come on, Jesus. So good. So anyway, that, that was my story with Liberty. And so we started traveling all up and down the East Coast with YWAM and the circuit riders and uh, doing meetings with 17, 18, 19-year-olds, people getting out of wheelchairs. We ended up seeing, I, I would safely say, we saw about 1,000 baptisms of the Holy Spirit in just three years at a Baptist college all over Virginia Tech, UVA, Cornell. I mean, we went all over the place. Radford, we... An angel, a nine-foot angel, visited me and my roommate and told us to go to 11 campuses in 11 days. And I was like, that must be parable language, right? (laughs) I had a really good job. I'm finishing my degree, you know? I was a business and finance major. How am I going to take 11 days off in the middle of the school year to go to 11 campuses in 11 days, right? And so uh, Bonnie Chavda, if you've heard of Bonnie Chavda, long, crazy story, but my friend has a dream, and Mahesh Chavda appears to him in the dream and says, come see me in Charlotte, North Carolina. He had never heard of Mahesh Chavda. We walk in, and we got into traffic. It was their all-night prayer meeting. They're ending the meeting as we're walking in. And I had this dream and this angel, his confirmations, and we walk in. We didn't realize right at 11, 11. And we walk in the back door, and there's one of those, like, digital clocks, you know, right over the door. And we walk in, me and my college friends, and Bonnie Chavda goes, 11-11, revival to your college campus, bam. And we fall over and flop on the floor for, like, 30 minutes. I can feel it right now. Lord Jesus, whoo. Mm. It was really crazy. Mm. So... Uh, So we go to 11 campuses in 11 days with about 60 college students, seeing kids get saved in the dining hall, seeing people just get born again, fall on their knees, get saved, UVA, Virginia Tech, all those schools. And so it was so good. And so I'm just sharing a little bit more of my testimony. So then all of a sudden, I'm 21, 
I start having all these dreams, then I'm not going to finish college. And I'm like, Lord, you know, that's not, I can't be God. That's the devil. And because uh, I'm still thinking, I'm not even, I wasn't even thinking about being in ministry. I was like, I just want to make a lot of money and give it all to missionaries and pray like 40 hours, you know, every single week and just have crazy, mystical, supernatural experiences and hang out with Bob Jones. You know, that was just like my life goal. And so I, uh, I, all of a sudden I have all these dreams and my pastor comes to me and says, hey, do you want to pastor a church? I'm like, uh, no, pastors always drive minivans and they wear coats and ties all the time. That's what I'd seen. And so Robert, does, he has a nice truck. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Great. Uh, well, that's all I've ever seen, soccer mom vans, you know. Um, and so I move off to Roanoke, Virginia, 21. I move in pastor church for two years. And uh, Lord calls me even out of that season. And then I move back up to Front Royal, Virginia. It's called Helltown, USA, literally. And uh, I was like, I, I promise you, the first time when I was like packing and moving back uh, into my town, I felt like I was going to have an anxiety attack, which I had never had in my entire life. I couldn't stand where I grew up so much because of how rough it was. And I, I had really, you know, rough childhood in some ways. And uh, so I, I just, I didn't want to be back there. And so for a whole year, I traveled around. I went to other countries. I had a TV show. I, I was in sometimes, some months, as many as 25 different meetings, churches, all over the East Coast, preaching the gospel, seeing amazing things. And then one day the Lord speaks to me and says, I'm calling you back home. Focus on what you're doing here. And then again, I rebuke the devil once again. <laughs> Holly, no. Um, and so I start the Love Revival Ministry Center. And uh, we do Monday nights. It's a little bit about what we do. And I want to share a testimony and then get really into my message. So we do Monday nights. That's why I say we're a divine experiment. We're Biblically speaking, we're a church, right? What is the ecclesia? It's the family of God, the called out ones, the ruling government in the nations of the earth, amen, which is God's government is family, hallelujah. And so we start praying together, and all of a sudden we start having 50, 60, 70, 80 people show up on a Monday night in a small country town to pray. And no one knows me back home. Like all my friends are like dead or in jail or moved away. And so all of a sudden, all these people just start coming, and I, I, no one really knew me there from the church world. And uh, all of a sudden, people start coming. People start getting saved. People start getting healed. We're getting testimonies of people being six months free from heroin, meth, drugs, alcohol, all these things. And so we launch out, and, and all of a sudden, now we have a, a Sunday night Bible study. Monday night's our main gathering. Tuesday night, Mandy leads a, a recovery group, and uh, we do burns every month. We feed around, sometimes maybe it's 300 people per month, praying for them, prophesying over them, and God's just pouring it out. Hallelujah. So good. So I just want to share two really cool healing testimonies that I was thinking about this morning. We had this cookout. We do a, a family cookout once a month in summertime. And uh, we, we're just, we do evangelism, right? We just live it. We love it. We believe in it. And so we do this cookout. And uh, originally the cookout was supposed to be just for our like committed people. But that just doesn't work when you got evangelistic people. Hallelujah. And so this random dude comes by and I'm like, hey man, and I get a word of knowledge that he has metal in his legs, and I pray into a little bit more, that he actually has bullets, screws, and plates 
in his legs. And I'm like, Lord, <laughs> that is a very distinct word. How about just one of those things, you know? What's the chance that he would have bullets and all these other things in his legs, right? And so I ask him, this dude is like, legitimate. I, I, I would, you know, I'm not a bet man, but if I was probably a 20, 30, maybe 40 year addict, you know, just completely just rough, tough, front royal kind of guy, we say. And um, I said, sir, can I pray with you? And he says, yeah. And I said, hey, this is what I feel like the Lord shared. He said, I've got multiple bullets in my legs. I've been shot multiple times and I have pins and screws and plates in my legs. And so pray for him right there on the spot. He could feel a burning in his legs and feel those things dissolve under the power of God. Come on, Jesus. So good. So he walked away. No limp felt better. I hadn't seen him since. I was getting dinner on Main Street or lunch on Main Street. And funny enough, I was talking to some friends about words of knowledge. And as soon as I say words of knowledge, the dude walks right by. And I was like... Hey, man, it's good to see you again. And he's like, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm the guy from the, you know, the church where we had the cookout. He's like, oh, Brian. And he was totally healed in that moment and has been, been fine ever since. So good. So we had this other girl uh, who is uh, the ex of someone who's really committed, really working in our group a lot. And she got shot by a 45 caliber pistol. If you, you know, shoot at guns, do, you know, whatever. You know, that's a big gun, all right? And so she gets shot on one side. She was robbing her drug dealer. And so she gets shot on one side, and it went, it went in and stayed in her torso around in this area. I saw the x-ray. I can confirm this. And so our friend, Adam, he comes and says, hey, we want, you know, I want us to pray for him, you know, her, she's the mother of my children. And so we pray long distance, and I've had a lot of breakthrough with praying for people long distance. It's just something I really like to focus on. Uh, John G. Lake would teleport in the spirit and pray for people in other countries. And so I, I've had some things like that. And so I feel like I was supposed to point this direction. I don't know where, which direction she was, but I feel like I was supposed to go this direction. And we prayed. And I said, bullet, come out in Jesus' name. I knew I wasn't supposed to pray for it to just dissolve, like I've seen before, but for it to actually come out. This was, I think, a day or two days before New Year's Eve. And so she, on New Year's Eve, a few days later, is in the roughest, toughest bar in Front Royal that Willie Nelson says is the roughest bar in, in, that he's ever played in his entire career. It's called the Naughty Pine. <laughs> Here, no, the name like that is pretty rough. Willie Nelson said it was the roughest bar he's ever played in. This girl is in there, New Year's Eve, partying it up, and all of a sudden the bullet pops out. The doctors told her it would be in for at least 20 years or so and it may work itself over time, you know, a decade or more later. It pops out on the floor while she's in the roughest bar, according to Willie Nelson in America. Hallelujah. <laughs> Won't he meet us anywhere? So good. Come on. So anyway, I just want to share that with you and just encourage you. If you got your Bible, why don't you turn to John 1. I am obsessed with the message of intimacy with God. I believe we're coming into the generation, the time where we're going to see miracles break out like never before. Amen. I believe with all my heart, this generation that is on the earth today is, is just a new beginning 
of what God wants to do. And when I say generation, I mean the 90-year-olds, hallelujah, come on, to the newborn babies. It's going to be everyone together. It's so interesting to me. I was listening to an old Bob Jones recording, and he prophesied at Bethel in 2009 that the eagle's nest, there was going to be three eagle's nests. It would be Morningstar, IHOP, and Redding, but they would be just the beginning of thousands of eagle's nests. The very next day, if anyone's ever heard the story, the very next day, uh, on the front page news of the Reading Times or whatever the newspaper there is, there was three eaglets that land. They were given birth to right next to the river near Bethel, and it actually said their names were Faith, Hope, and Joy. Come on, the day after. We're coming into the times where the Lord is speaking to his people loud and clear, And we're given the ideas of how we're going to see dominion, the kingdom of God, break out in all the nations of the earth. So how do we sign up this morning? That's the question. I believe we're in the time when everything that is being sown is being revealed. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6. He said that when we go into the secret place where the Father is, not where the Father is at the conference, I like conferences. He didn't even say where the Father is at the church. I like church. He said where the Father is in the secret place. What's going on there shall be revealed. Whatever's going on there will be shouted from the rooftops. And he said, I will reward you openly for what's going on in the secret place. Psalm 91.1, whoever dwells in the shadow of El Shaddai, whoever dwells in the shadow of the Almighty, those are the people whose shadow starts healing people. Come on. Ephesians 3 says that when we go into the heights, the wits, the depths of the love of God, we are then filled with the fullness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in the time right now, I believe, we want to be like the, the priest, the Zadok, right? The ones that understand the times and the seasons. And that's been abused because that sounds like an end times kind of thing. And I think we're all on the same page about those things. I understand where you guys are coming from. Uh, we need to understand that we're coming into a time of sowing, going deep in the place of intimacy with God. And these are the people that are going deep in the place of intimacy. I hope the young adults that are going to be revealed in the nations tomorrow's presidents, tomorrow's senators, tomorrow's business owners that are going to take dominion and release the kingdom everywhere they go. So I want to give you some fuel for intimacy this morning. I want to give you some oil, hallelujah, to be burning in the lampstand. Let's go right to the beginning of it. The Genesis of the New Testament, I call it John 1. John 1, 1 in the, in the Passion Translation, the very beginning, the living expression was already there. The living expression was with God, yet fully God. And, and New King James is going to say, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And they were together. Look at this verse here. I love this. Face to face. Everybody say that. Face, face. to face. Face. Come on, Presbycostals. Hallelujah. <laughs> face to face. And your translate in a normal, you know, any other translation is going to be, and the word was with God. The Greek word there, with, is the Greek word pros. Everybody say pros. Pros does not just mean, what's your name? Larry. It doesn't just mean I'm standing here with Larry. Clary. Claire, I'm sorry. Gee. <laughs> My bad. 
Still a little early. All right. No, I'm just, no. Um, face-to-face with doesn't just mean to be standing near. It means to be face-to-face turned towards. The Greek word pros literally means to be in face-to-face intimate communion with one another. Jesus is not just on another throne in heaven. Jesus didn't show up to say, let me teach you how to pray a prayer at a Billy Graham meeting so you can go to heaven one day. That's not what he came for. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Eternal life isn't going to heaven. Eternal life is experiencing heaven in the prayer closet. Eternal life is on earth as it is in heaven, flowing through and from the temple of the Holy Spirit, which has Jordans on this morning. Hallelujah. The river of God, the Bible says in Ezekiel 1, flows from the temple. Where's the temple at now? In us. And the rivers of living water flow out from there everywhere you go. Being full of the Holy Spirit is not manifested by falling over. It's manifested by overflowing everywhere we go. Come on. I like shaking and baking. Hallelujah. I'm down. But sometimes I wonder if we haven't so focused on some of these things instead of saying fullness of Holy Spirit means nations being discipled. Means love, peace, joy, character, intimacy with God, and righteousness all together. So Jesus, there's this continual theme. I love the book of John. John is the a little recap here. Most I'm sure we know. John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He loved all of them, but John understood it. Hallelujah. John is also the writer of the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. John has this intimacy with God, this nearness that he could put his head on the bosom of Jesus and hear his heartbeat. And Jesus and John 19 says, behold, your mother. John has such an intimate nearness with Jesus that he actually ends up becoming the one that takes care of Jesus's beloved mother, Mary. That's amazing. All the other disciples, they're going, we'll never leave you, Jesus. And John's just going, oh, this is really nice. And we see who doesn't leave him in his hardest moment. So John, he encounters, he sees this, he says that Jesus came forth from being in this face-to-face union with God from the very beginning. Go over to John 1, I believe it's uh, verse 18. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor except the uniquely beloved Son who is cherished by the Father and held close to His heart. Whoa. Now, he has unfolded to us the full explanation of who God truly is. In the New, uh, uh, the New King James, it says that Jesus came forth from and is in the bosom of the Father. Everybody, pat your belly, your chest. Your, this is the bosom. Hallelujah. This picture here is not that Jesus is on another throne far away somewhere in the galaxy somewhere. Father God, Son, Holy Spirit are face-to-face in intimate communion and union. And from this triune life of the Godhead say, we want to weave you into us. Wow. Amazing. And the culmination, I believe, as far as Jesus' message is in John 17, 3. And he says, this is eternal life. 
that I would be in union with you. And then in John 17, 24, or John 17, 21, he says that he wants us to be with him where he is. Father, I desire. I think about it, you know, like the movie, the Titanic, hallelujah. I think that movie is all, but some of y'all I'm sure like it, hallelujah. Um, at the Titanic, right, in last moments when someone's about to die, they share their deepest secrets together. Their heart is unveiled. Jesus is a few uh, hours away from the cross. And he says, I, I believe, I don't believe Jesus was Baptist. Hallelujah. I don't know. Maybe some of you do. But he didn't say, Father, I desire. Right? There's emotion in the God man, Jesus. In this moment, he goes, Father, I desire. The desires of God being unveiled to the human heart, that is intimacy with the Father. I want to encourage you, intimacy with God is what brings about destiny in our lives. Oftentimes when people say, I don't understand what I'm called here in life for, I don't know what I'm called to do, it's a lack of intimacy and communion with Father God. Because when we behold his beauty, when we encounter his glory, he commissions us and sends us out to do the works of the kingdom of God. Amen. God's not looking for more full-time ministers. He's looking for full-time intimacy with God lovers. Hallelujah. We encounter this intimacy with God. We go deeper into him. We get heart's desires from Father God to burn in the place of intimacy and prayer and go out everywhere we go. If you got your Bible, I want you to go over to, um, where did I want to go? Let's go to Hebrews 10, one of my favorite. Yeah, there's a fan in the room. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hebrews 10. You can go over to Hebrews 10, verse 19. And we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus who welcomes us to come into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly, without hesitation, for he has dedicated a new and life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. The, the veil in the temple was rent from top to bottom, God's saying, I'm going to do something you can't do on your own. All you have to do is come home. Coming home, Luke 15, the, under, the early church actually had a, some commentary on Luke 15, that it was not only a repentance, and it is that, coming home moment, it is also a daily moment of returning to intimacy with Father God. I pray Luke 15 on a very regular basis, not of, oh, Lord, I sinned. I need to come back home to you. Well, that's good. But also of, Lord, I'm coming back away from the cares of this world, and I'm entering in the abundance of the Father's house. Song of Solomon, I believe it's chapter 3, says that we have entered into his house of wine, and his banner over us is love daily, practical. I want to encourage you, get alone with Father God. This is so simple. I know this is practical. I know most of you in here are doing it, but I want to call you higher. I want to call you deeper. The Lord is looking for friends in this generation that he can trust with his secrets, can trust 
with what he wants to do on the face of the earth. So Jesus' last moment, he gets stabbed in the side, right? Adam had to fall asleep, and from his side came his bride, right? Jesus, in the last moment, we are born again from water and blood, 1 John says, and we are born again from the side of Jesus. This is your moment of recreation 2,000 years ago as Godfrey Bertle. I imagine there's some Godfrey Bertle fans in this house. Anybody listen to Godfrey Bertle? Oh, wow. I can't. Wow, you remind me of him. So he's an awesome worship leader. He has a song, 2,000 years ago, we bled into one. 2,000 years ago, the bride of Jesus Christ were born again from the side of God. It, that, that changes everything. So we come into this place of intimacy with God. We come boldly expecting to be in that near intimate presence with Father God. When I get alone with the Lord, sometimes I'll turn the lights off. I turn music off. I used to always, you know, go to YouTube, turn on Bethel music, something like that. I've been in this place lately where I'm finding I'm hearing the Lord better even when I don't have any music on, no sermon, no distraction, not reading, nothing like that. And saying, Lord, take me into your bosom. I want to be like John. When you get in this place, words of knowledge flow, healing, miracles. We don't come into the presence of God for the sake of ministry. We come in the presence of God because we love him and we enjoy him and we want to experience more. And he's the only thing that really matters. But just know when you find the face of God, his hand is very nearby. Amen. Come on. This is where dreams and visions and heavenly experiences. I was in a a long season of just seeking the face of God, going after this intimate reality with God. It was about three summers ago, four summers ago, I was going in and just, I was fasting and going in the presence and just just really seeking after the Lord. And I just feel like I was supposed to share this morning, specifically for the young adults. I just hope this encourages you. And I was in this season just going after it. And one night I go to bed. I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was on a trip with a business friend of mine, just hanging out, not really doing anything super spiritual, just eating really good steak and uh, drinking good coffee and hanging out. And uh, I wake up in the middle of the night and I am in heaven. (laughs) And there are thousands of angels worshiping. It was like the fiery glory room of heaven. I don't know what that is, but that's what it was. (laughs) Hallelujah. And angels, I was, you know, again, I grew up, you know, old school. So I always thought angels would be like, holy, holy, you know, singing like that, real boring. Angels are dying laughing. I thought I wanted to rebuke them or something. Don't you know this is holy, right? It was wildly joyful and wildly scary at the same time. The fear of the Lord and the joy of the Lord are not opposite. One of my favorite verses is in Hosea, in that day, they will fear the Lord and his goodness. Can you imagine experiencing so many million tons of goodness that it's scary? In this encounter, I am seeing, I can't look at God because it is just way too much for me to handle. Angels are crying. They're laughing. It is the wildest party you can possibly imagine. And I am just worshiping in the presence. So I just, I can't, you know, even go into all that. I just don't, don't have words for it. I come out of this. I'm back in my room 
And my friend, my business friend who is in this, he's in the other side of the room and he is dying laughing in his sleep. It was like an atmosphere was in the room. I feel like the Lord wants me to put my head back down. I was kind of scared at this point. I put my head back down and all of a sudden, I go back up. Happens again. I see all these other things. I have a, a spiritual mom who I am very super close with. She was in a glow leader on the East Coast for like 30 years or something like that. And she's a real Bob Jones type person. She, you don't tell her the dream and she gives you the interpretation. She tells you the dream, right? And so the next day, I'm like, I'm not telling anybody this. I get an email from Mama Gail and she tells me the exact encounter I had. She had a vision of it. The part that I didn't see in the encounter, I didn't remember anyway, she said that in the dream, she saw me going around laying hands on young adults' eyes, that their eyes would be open to this one thing. Come on. Psalm Psalm 27.4, this one thing have I desired of the Lord, to gaze upon the beauty of God all of the days of my life and to inquire in his tabernacle. What if we got so intimately near to the burning passion of God's heart, we start getting answers for all the world's problems. Start encountering him. We're in the shadows so strong. What's the surrounding towns? Rehoboth Beach, all the surrounding areas start coming. So this young man's shadow falls upon them. What happens when there's no bad news? It's just good news for what God's doing at the house and the surrounding churches. This flows out of a lifestyle of intimacy with Father God. Miracles, signs, wonders. It just flows from intimacy. It abides in the vine. The wine vine, as I like to call it. John 15. If he abides in my love, you will do what? Bear much fruit. Oddly enough, I was staying at Darby's house a couple of months back. Went to bed. We were just hanging out and I woke up in the middle of the night. I was in a dream. I was like face to face with the Lord. And I wake up from this dream and I hear audibly in my room, loud and clear, it is time to bear much fruit. Yeah. Yeah. The odd thing in the dream, when I woke up though, my feet were on my pillow. <laughs> I was upside down, but it's an upside down kingdom, isn't it? Come on. The way up is down in the kingdom of God. The way up isn't Facebook. It's not the way many think ministry is. It's more intimacy with Father God. Can I have you stand up this morning? Thank you, Lord. Can we move into ministry time, Pastor Robert? Is that okay? Awesome. Well, let's all, if you're just hungry for more, I just want to invite you just to come on up. I don't need to coax anything. If you're just hungry for more, I want to invite you to come up. I want me and Mandy and Hope to pray for you this morning. If you're just hungry to go deeper in the presence of God, encounters with God, why don't you just put your hands right in front of you? And I want you right now to just imagine that you are standing right there near the bosom of the Father. Hey, uh, thank you, Lord. I'll just let that sit in for a moment. Thank you. 
Come boldly into the holy of holies through the torn veil of the flesh of Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, 6, we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm. <laughs> Take them in, Lord. Take them in to you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. I feel like the Lord's just taking people deeper into the bosom of the Father. Thank you, Lord. I believe just in this atmosphere right here, I, I just, I love music. I love when we get wild and crazy, but I just believe this is just a moment just to go into the depths of God. I believe in this atmosphere right here, people are going to get healed. If you need a healing in your body, please make sure you have us pray for you after. I want to really go after that today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.